It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey, Brewers fans, it is episode three of the Brewers Unfiltered podcast, and it's finally here. It's opening week. We're just days away from opening day on Thursday at Wrigley Field. I'm Sophia Minner, joined by Adam McAlvey and Tim Dillard. Guys, we are live and in the flesh doing this podcast together, and we've got a lot of news to get through. Yeah, I've written about uh, 5,000 words this morning, and I'm tapped out. So I'm happy to come here and talk and not stare at my computer screen for a little while. Yeah, I've done absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Not even sure why I'm here. Um, Got some great conversation with some of the... uh, the uh, brewers people that work here at the stadium so everyone's in good spirits today as we're sitting here on monday it's the last home game of the cactus league here in arizona and we are finally getting some answers on who will be leaving here and heading to chicago for the opening day roster and really the big news of the day was that bryce terang and gus varland have officially been informed that they're making the team for both of them and it'll be their major league debuts and let's just start with bryce terang who is homegrown. We've gotten to know him, know him over the last couple of years. He's opened up a lot of eyes, especially this year and what he did last year in AAA. So for Bryce Trang to finally get the call up, it's I think it's really exciting for Brewers fans. Well, it's just nice uh, that uh, Ezra Siegel and his team had a chance to do the hidden uh, camera trick, which is all the rage in Major League Baseball right now. So they did it with both players. So we all got to learn see the moment. Um, and we learned that Bryce Trang is a pretty smart guy because council sort of slow played it a little bit about telling him that he was being optioned to Chicago, which I'm too dumb to have gotten that in the moment. Uh, you know, your heart's probably racing because you don't know what's going on. I would have whiffed. I would have needed, but, but Bryce Trang council said after a few seconds, obviously figured it out. And look, we've known that this guy is special from the beginning of his Brewers career, because remember he was drafted out of high school And the next spring, we saw him all the time in these spring training games because he played good defense. So the defense was like big league ready really early, and it was a matter of when's the bat going to come. And last year, the bat came. So he put himself in a really good position to help this team. And it sounds from what Council told us that it's going to primarily be second base because he can play short, obviously. He's played some third. He played a little center field last year. But I don't think the idea is to move him around. I think the idea is that he's primarily going to be the second baseman. I think you saw that with Colton Wong getting moved. Yeah. Uh, really opened the door. But Bryce Durang, yes, the defense is there. And he's he's benefited. We talked about this last time. Benefited from Willie Domus being at the WBC, Luis Arias being at the WBC. And for him to be allowed to get those reps and get those at-bats. And what we found out last year of him in AAA is he is above average in every facet of the game. You were 34 stolen bases last year, batted 286, played in 131 games. Believe me, I've played a lot of games in AAA. You don't want to be the guy that plays 131 games in AAA, and he did it. And so you see what he does here in spring training. Um, To me, what he did the entire time was just gain the trust of Craig Council and the rest of those coaches um, to say this 
can be your guy. This is, you know, is he going to be the everyday second baseman? We don't know. That's yet to be seen. But has he earned a spot? Absolutely. Should he be on the opening day lineup? Possibly. Yeah. And I love when, when we were talking to Craig Council this morning, it's he has totally gained his, his trust and his confidence. And he said he's just been that player that just keeps knocking at the door, has met every challenge, has dealt with you know, the hype and the expectations of, of being a homegrown top prospect, waiting for your turn. He's been patient. And then I think, you know, he was praising his defense, you know, saying that it's not the numbers that are going to be flashy on the scoreboard, but he's an exceptional defender. He's going to help you win games, bottom line. And so he's, he's a player, I think, that we're going to have a lot of fun just getting to see how that all translates at the major league level. Yeah. yeah well, the way council put it was he's a guy you have to like really watch because if you're just at the games and you look up at the scoreboard and look at the statistics, the way council put it, it's, it might not jump off the page at you, but then if you really watch him play the game, you realize that this guy has lots of different ways to help you win. So um, that's going to be something to consider. I think as we, as we watch what he does offensively, um, it's more than just what the stat line says. His contributions are going to be a little bit trickier than just looking at numbers on a page. So um, and, and look, big league bloodlines, his, his dad played in, in the nineties for the Mariners. Um, he has, I got to write last year while we were waiting for the lockout to end about, um, his incredibly athletic family, just ridiculously athletic family is he's like the worst athlete in the family with compared to his four sisters. And he's the one who's in the big leagues. And the other thing that's really cool is we got to see him tell the whole family this news in the, the documentary series, The Freshman, which um, was like the perfect ending to the spring training segments of this series to, to get to see a guy talk about all that time that they were all together watching him play Little League games and travel all over the country and then get drafted and then go through the minors and all those bus rides, all those things. The family was there with them and it was a, a payoff for all of them. And it was really cool to get to witness that. So when you're done listening to the podcast, if you haven't done it already, Go watch the freshman. Yeah, and, and Gus Varland got to make a pretty special phone call to his parents too, which um, he said was like the highlight of his life so far. And, and Gus Varland came in, we use the word competition a lot, but I think Gus Varland, maybe more than any other player coming into camp, had to really compete and prove himself coming in with the pressure and the expectations of being a Rule 5 draft pick, coming over from the Dodgers. So he's new in the organization and it was very much sink or swim. You're either going to make the opening day roster and stay on, or you're going back to the Dodgers. So as we've gotten to know Gus Varland and just see him on the mound, uh, what do you guys think of how he earned his spot here on the roster? I mean, he did earn it. And I've I've been a part of a lot of spring trainings where you got these rule five guys and you don't really know what you're going to get. I think the Brewers are absolutely pleased. I don't know who was the voice saying, Hey, let's, draft this guy and give him a shot because he has been outstanding. His last four outings, uh, scoreless, four and two-thirds innings, two hits, no walks, 11 Ks. Those are video game numbers. Yeah. And he's done it. Uh, great fastball, but his slider is outstanding. It plays the righties and it plays the lefties. And every time he's on the mound, I'm probably thinking, probably along with Chris Hook and Craig Council going, I can see this guy in the seventh inning. I can see him in the eighth inning. In a pinch, throw him as a starter. I, I think his versatility is going to come into play. They did it in spring training to see what they would get, and Gus rose to the occasion, and we're going to see him a lot this year. 
Well, I think that was a very good sign that he was going to make the club. They moved him to the front of the game against the insert team here these days are all running together. But they moved him to the front of the game because they wanted to make sure that he caught the big league bats and see what he does. Padres, maybe. Padres split squad. <clears throat> so that was a really good hint that he he was uh, about to make the club. And, of course, um, he performed. And, look, if you're going to get Rule 5, if you're a reliever and you're going to get Rule 5 by a club, I would want to get Rule 5 by the Milwaukee Brewers because we say it's a running joke now that we, every time we mention Peter Strzelecki's name, we're, like, legally bound to say that he didn't pitch a single spring training inning for them last season and then came in and had, like, a big year. And now as we go into 23, he's, like, a key guy in that pen. This is a guy who never came over from the minor league side to pitch an inning. So Gus Varland has a really great opportunity in this reconfigured pen to like play a big role. And there's nothing to say he can't, if he keeps pitching like this, rise into a really prominent spot. So good for him. Double A last year. Now all of a sudden he finds himself in the big leagues. And that's what Craig was talking about this morning is like the first conversation with Gus, right? Is, Hey, you're coming in and we've chosen you in the rule five because we expect you to try to make the team, right? Like the expectation is that you can, you're at a level already that you can make the team and help us win. So there's the performance part of it, which he has done. And then he also said what's really exciting about Gus is that there's also been development that you feel like from that first conversation with Craig and Gus and Chris Hook and Jim Henderson, that there's also been a ton of development. And so I think to your point about the Peter Strzelecki example, it's like, if you can get him now with that group every day and he continues to develop, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch him. And, and the bullpen, we know we've talked about it's going to be really fluid this year. Well, you know, another thing council said this morning, and it, unfortunately, we locked him out of council session. Oh, that was on purpose. Well, no, it was absolutely not on purpose. That's new to me. But no, I stepped out. We're all waiting to get in the council's office. All the big news out there. I step out for a phone call. I'm gone literally like 45 seconds. I come back. All the media is gone. You're in council's <laughs> office and the door's closed. Hey, clearly I'm not a guy that's going to go opening up the manager's office door. I've never done that. I stay away, but unbelievable. So what happened? I wasn't. Well, there. he made the point that what to him was impressive about what Gus Varlin did is he came in, he had all this, you know, he said, you have the most pressure of any pitcher in our camp because you have to win a job. That's just the nature of the rule five. You're in or you're out. But at the same time, Chris Hook, Jim Henderson, and others, you know, in the organization gave Gus a couple of things to work on. Like, here are some things that we, you know, this is what every pitcher does. We're going to spend spring working to get better. So at the same time, Gus Varland was like kind of pitching for his life. He was also trying to implement some of these things. And council said, you know, your task is to figure out how to make those two things work together. And Gus Varland, to his credit, did it because, as you said, Sophia, he got better and better as camp went on and this swing and miss kept going up and up and up. So credit to him for navigating like a really difficult situation for any pitcher, much less, much less a pitcher who's, you know, has zero innings North of double a. That's a good point. I remember during one of the broadcasts, Sophia, I think you were interviewing Gus and he was talking about Chris Hook saying, we need to fix your front hip, like opening up the front hip more. This is something that he divulged and he's like, he tried it and could see instant results. You know, it freed up his slider even more. Um, it's stuff like that. When you are pitching for your job and someone's coming alongside you going, hey, we need to fix this. You're sitting there going, but? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe I don't, yeah, you know, yeah. so I can make this team. So that is a very difficult position to be in. Uh, this is a win all the way around. For Gus, the Brewers, 
uh, for the fans because he's going to be a very integral piece in this uh, bullpen. And his reaction in the video, he even said once Craig told him the news, like, man, the weight that I feel is off my shoulders yeah. now. Just you could see the relief, you know, in, in his body language and what he was sharing with Craig. And so, said, And he said, by the way, that he's felt that since December. Yes. Like since, like since the Rule 5 draft, he's felt like pressure to perform. And he had to – it was different. Like normally in spring training, you come in to prepare. He had to come in prepared. And a lot of guys do that now more so than back in the day. But – this was a different, he was, you know, rule five, you're a different animal. So again, big credit to him for, for making it happen. And he's got what June, whatever it is in uh, target field, the Brewers first meeting with the twins. Cause maybe his brother will be up. We'll see, but it would be really cool for them to pitch against each other. And he already dropped border battle, which means he's locked in on that <laughs> Brewers twins rivalry. He knows, yeah. he knows very well. Yeah. It'd be very cool to see he and his brother Louis um, compete. So we've had, Uh, Some really good conversations. We're getting more clarity. Luke Voigt officially signed his one-year deal, so we know that he's back with the club. Relief for him as well. Owen Miller, Fredonia native. But there was, you know, Craig said this morning that there are all these good conversations, and then there are some really tough conversations that you have this time of year. Some players are disappointed not to make the team. Um, you know, Sal Freelick and Joey Weimer were optioned back to AAA Nashville with the news that Bryce Trang was going to make it. And then, you know, a tough conversations the last couple of days regarding Keston Hira. And today he was officially designated for assignment. We've talked to Matt Arnold and Craig Council, and, you know, Keston knew he was up against it. And so, uh, for now, you know, Keston's not with the Brewers, but we'll see what happens with the DFA process the next couple of days. Yeah, so he'll now be exposed. The Brewers talked to some teams about a trade. Nothing came together. Now teams can claim him off waivers if they want. If he clears, the Brewers can outright him to the minors. And because he hasn't been outrighted before, he would go to AAA. And, and Matt Arnold made the point that, like, he wouldn't be the first player to get outrighted, removed from the roster, and then eventually come back and play great. So, doesn't that take like ten days? Like that whole process takes like exactly. So they can and they can still talk trades if another team wants to come in. As as far as I know, I mean Nelson Cruz is like the gold standard of don't give up on a guy when he's a a touted prospect with like lots of ability and it doesn't exactly work right away. Nelson Cruz cleared waivers way back when. And, you know, Doug Melvin always heard for years and years, why did you trade Nelson Cruz? Because he became the star. Well, he subsequently got removed from the roster and like every team could have had him in past. So um, it, this does not necessarily spell the end for here. I, I say as a veteran of like season one of Brewers Unfiltered, I think if we added up the audio, I think we talked about Keston here more than any other player. Really? Don't, yeah. I mean, because it was fascinating how he fit the reverse splits the big splash he made in 19 and then just not, you know, it's this thing. Again, we counsel is sometimes is a wise man and his thing where he says a, a, a prospect's trajectory is not straight. It goes up and down. And for Keston, there's been some significant downs. Um, so, you know, you, you hope the best for him, obviously, because what he did in 19 was so impactful and you hope he gets back to that with someone, whether it's, Milwaukee, Milwaukee or another team. Well, I mean, he made such a big splash, batting over 300, almost 20 home runs, almost 50 RBIs. Like, you can't just – I mean, that's – anybody would want that season. Yeah. And for him to do that right out of the gate, and then now it's like, well, here's the expectations, pal. You know, that's a hard thing. And I, I think they gave, him, they gave him a lot of chances. Listen, I, I get it. You gave him a lot of chances, and then the time ran up. 
Is he going to be end up in AAA for the Brewers? Possibly. Is he going to be a big leaguer again? Absolutely. Absolutely. You just he has the experience. Regardless of you know the failing or doing well, he's he's going to be back. And I'm telling you, when guys figure it out, it's going to be scary. And he, you can tell. We've been on this journey with him the last few years, just waiting for him to kind of figure it out for that thing to click, uh, and it just hasn't. So when that when someone unlocks him like a cheat code, uh, <laughs> whoever team he's with is going to look like geniuses because he's that impactful of a player. Well, what what it seems like, and I, Sophia, you've probably talked to him about this in the interviews too, is like he's trying to simplify. He has a lot of moving parts in that swing and his whole life has just been hitting machine and it's all feel. Everybody's a little bit different. Some guys are real technical about it. My understanding of Keston Hira, maybe I'm wrong, is that he's not that guy. He's not the technical guy thinking about every little twitch and every little twist. He is more feel. So it's like, he's not, he had that feel obviously for a lot of his life. And now he's, searching for it and he talked uh, just what 10 days ago or so about adding a toe tap back and you know he's he's she's searching and is grinding and his brain is probably going 100 miles an hour so there's every possibility that he can figure it out but it just feels like he's searching for a little simplicity and try to get back somehow to where you're just playing the game on field and he's not there right now. Well, I faced him in 2019 in AAA, right before he got called up, right before he did all the damage that he did in the big leagues. And one thing that stood out to me then in that season and then every se- you know, season after that was the fact that he was just willing to, willing to swing and just hit it. Like, just hit it. Like, all he's trying to do is make contact. Like, if he can just make contact, watching him the last few years, it's almost like he has too much information. And I think there's players out there that have a hard time with too much information. And I think that's what's happened to probably a lot of players across baseball just because of the all the stuff we have now, all the technical things. But I remember facing me, hit two doubles off of me in the same game, I believe, or maybe it was day after, maybe it was back-to-back days, I don't know. But he went down the right field line and went down the left field line, and it was on pitches that he shouldn't have done that. Like, he went and got these pitches and crushed them off of me. And I had a good year that year, so I was good. It wasn't, you know, most of my years where I was bad. I, I was good in 19, and he crushed me like no one else did that entire season. And he did it by going and getting pitches that he wasn't normally, like now lately, you don't really even see him swinging at. So anyway, I, is he going to be a big leader again? I do believe that, yes. I don't think that was a question, but I'm, I'm putting it out there. Well, guys, we've got a pretty clear picture of what the roster is going to look like on opening day as we're sitting here this afternoon. Of course, we know that things can change. Outside pieces can be added. But for the most part, we feel like we've got a pretty clear picture. So when we come back, we're going to get into some opening day predictions on the 2023 season. It's all coming up on Brewers Unfiltered. Brewers Unfiltered continues here. Sophia, Adam, and Tim. And with the great news that Bryce Trang and Gus Varland are coming up on opening day for their Major League debuts, we got a chance to catch up with them and get some reaction from them on the news. And here's what they had to say. Gus, I just asked Bryce the same thing. You know, you dream about this your whole life. And then you go in the room and they tell you what you've been waiting to hear. How do you describe what's going on inside of you? It's one of the coolest feelings I've ever experienced in my entire life. And going into it, like... I didn't truly know what was going to happen, so I was a little nervous, and um, I had a, a little feeling like like I did good enough to earn it, but you never know at the end of the day what they're thinking, and I was just grateful for the opportunity to even come here and compete for this spot, and getting it was just a dream come true. 
What was the emotion that ran through your head when you know the, the news that you heard was good? Yeah, it was complete shock. Like, kind of went numb all over my body. I didn't really know how to react, and it was just unbelievable experience. Gus, how did you prepare yourself to come in here and and just like you know this is oversimplification, but just be good from the start? Well, in typical spring training, like a lot of guys, um, in in pa my past spring trainings, I go in there with like just feeling good, working on stuff. With this kind of um, thing coming up, like I, I went in not working on anything. That was my off season is to work on it and get sharp. So I accelerated my throwing program a little bit to be ready for March rather than work into it. You know, that was my um, my thought process. What last year, you know, Double A when you were not doing as well as you wanted to before you made that adjustment. Yeah. Would this have ever? crossed your mind like I'll be in the big leagues to start next year? I called my bullpen coach from AA and my pitching coach from AA and yesterday I was like if you would have told me in May last year I remember we sat in the stands and we were like what are we going to do and then if you would have told me then that I'd be in the big leagues next year in spring and I wouldn't believe you at all. It's, it's unbelievable how fast it can move and how things change so quick. You're, you're locker mates with Matt Bush and you've gotten to know the rest of the bullpen obviously too mm -hmm. but I see you guys talking every day He's obviously been through a lot. Yeah. Has he given you any advice uh, getting ready for this moment? Yeah, yeah. He's been kind of mentoring me this whole camp and teaching me what to, what to do and what not to do, how to handle things and handle the pressure because he, he's been in a position like me where you're trying to make the squad being kind of a non-roster invite or someone who's not guaranteed kind of anything and how to fight for it and how to go about it. And he's been awesome so far. Gus, who was your first call after you got out of My that? mom and dad. Yeah, luckily they were together in the same room, so put me on speaker and I was like, hey, what are you guys doing on the 30th? And it was the coolest call of my entire life. I, the amount, my amount of emotions that went through me were, it was indescribable. Just just because I called them after every bad start or after a bad outing and just like, they just kept supporting me even when I didn't really believe in myself, they believed in me. And those guys are, they're unbelievable. For most of us don't uh, aren't part of a, a brother pairing that has pitched in the big leagues. Yeah. What's, I mean, how cool is that? That, that was you and unbelievable your too. Are both, you know, going to be have been big leaguers. Yeah, especially him being on the Twins too. There's a little border battle there, and I got some family in Milwaukee, and that that call was awesome too. Calling him because we talked about it growing up all the time and in college. And when I got to when he called me for his debut, that was one of the coolest calls ever. So I was really happy to call him this time. Do you um, know the date? That they play, that you guys potentially play each I other? I think it's in June, right? Yeah, like so. a two, we go there for a two-gamer. Yeah, their place. Yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome if he's up at the same time. That'd be super cool. We know, I mean, how badly you want him to be in the big leagues. How, how do you describe what's happening inside you when you get the news? Yeah, it, it, it just doesn't feel real. Um, I, I have no words, like I had no words for it. I just... Um, I was just lost for words, and I just, it, like I said, it doesn't feel real. Um, we got two more days of spring left, and it's starting to kind of sink in more and more as I, uh, as the days go on. Um, but calling my family, calling my mom and dad, I mean, that's where the emotions kind of kicked in there. And but like I said, it just is still, even right now, until I'm there, I think, until I'm on the flights and stuff is when it's going to sink in. Last year, when you spent, you spent that whole year at AAA, did your mind ever wander to, to what it would be like to be up in the big leagues, or how did you kind of keep that out of your head if you, if you, if you needed to? Yeah, I mean, your whole life 
that's your goal and so that's all you look forward to and uh, and of course you look at it and you try to what is it like what is it going to be like you know all that stuff but now I got the news and it's going to be reality of it and uh, and it's time to keep going and it's baseball so keep playing hard and control what I can control. What did your what advice did your dad give you? He's been through getting this news before. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's just he basically said the same thing I just said of do what you can do and it's it's an, still baseball. You still have to play hard, you still have to respect your teammates, you still have to do all that stuff and work hard and um, like He's like, you, you accomplish your goal, but there's other goals you want to accomplish and just keep going after them and keep chasing them. So. Did, you have, did you have any idea like this was coming? You know, you kind of counting down the spots or, or something? Or did you, um, you catch by surprise? I don't, I don't look too, too into it. Um, I just I wanted to come out here and compete. And if I did go down, then it was their hardest decision. Um, I just wanted to uh, play as good as I can, show them that I'm ready and and uh, they honored it, and now I continue to move forward and and continue to show them that I'm going to work hard and try to win as many games as I can for them. Ready to roll double plays with Willie Adams? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, so now that we feel like we know more or less who's going to be on the opening day roster, barring any last-minute changes before – Thursday at Wrigley Field. We're going to get into some 2023 predictions for the season. So we'll start with the fact that last year the team won 86 games, just one game short of that final wild card spot. So do you think they will win more or less games than what they did last year? Well, me doing this is the kiss of death for everybody because I am so bad at these. I did 23 predictions for 2023 at the turn of the year. And one of mine was that they would win, I think it was win 90 and the division. So I feel like since they haven't played a single regular season game, I need to stand by that, even though I'm not sure how I feel about it. So I'm going to say over. And yeah, I will say I will take the over. Yeah, it's like we're playing Clue, you know, like Candlestick. <laughs> That's the best movie of all time, by the oh, way. Oh, I know. That's why I brought it up. Um, yeah, it, th- these things are, are fun because we can go back and look to see how stupid we are. <laughs> um, but I'm going to say definitely over. I mean, you look at the Cardinals, 193. Brewers, 195 in 2021. I think 90 games is is very feasible with this club. And that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say at least 90. But I kind of want to go 93. Is that too specific? Am I doing this wrong? I mean, that's pretty high. But oh, okay. you're allowed to – I mean – we're never going to go back and look oh, at these, yeah. listen to these yeah. again. These are so I say go yeah. for it. And the fans will not hold you to these predictions never. either. Oh, so uh, that never happens. No. Okay, let's get into we ca- we've talked a little bit about some of the new faces. So, who will be your newcomer of the year? I am going to say uh, I am going to say Jesse Winker. I think that he it's, it's all health. This is a guy who was a really good big leaguer. He moved teams for the first time in his career. He had a little girl back in Cincinnati, you know, away. It was just a lot happening health-wise, family-wise, baseball-wise last year. 
I, I, the way he put it earlier in camp was he likes to like have some grace for other people as they're going through it. And I think he went through it last year and I think he's primed for a bounce back and he's, uh, I mean, left-handed hitters at American family field have a really good chance to be impactful and that's where he's going to be hitting. Yeah, I, I think he'll have a good season. I'm going with Brian Anderson. Just the fact that, I guess, I mean, if it's opening day, he's going to be in right field. That sets a lot of different things. I think he's really good at third base. But I went back and looked at his spring numbers. This is the best spring he's had since 2019. And in 2019, during the season, he also hit 20 home runs and had 66 RBIs. Like, I just think he's going to be a guy that can produce runs. And I, I think he's, like you said, with health, with Winker, I think it's health. With Brian Anderson, he's been uh, going through it with like his shoulder, and so I think now it's coming back. If he's healthy, I think he's going to hit really well at American Family Field, and I think he's, to me, he's going to have a, a really good season. Well, both of these guys could be candidates then maybe for the next category, which is comeback player of the year. You guys mentioned some of the things that you know Jesse Winker had to overcome with injuries, and you're alluding to that with Brian Anderson as, as well with some injury history. So do you have a comeback player of the year yes and i will go back to a prediction i made going into last season that frederick peralta would win the national league cy young award and he didn't because he was hurt a lot and he's healthy he was i think very sad to not participate in the world baseball classic because that would have meant so much to him but it was he said right to get ready for this year it's a really important season for him he is healthy. He's probably, as we said, I think in last week's episode, maybe the best shape of his life candidate. Um, so he is primed for a big year. And I think I'm just going to try to make my prediction from two years ago come true by saying he's my comeback player of the year. Yeah, I wrote him down as well. I do write down some notes. And I, just because there's so much buzz, like from the coaching staff and the players, they're all talking about Freddie and what he's, his bullpens when he's out there on the mound. Um, so they can see it. So that's an easy one. So I won't say that one, Adam. <laughs> but what qualifies for a, a comeback year? Well, we vote on these actually at the end of the year. And I don't think that I think you can just make it whatever you want. It can be an injury guy. It can be a performance guy. Whatever. Well, I want to pick Christian Yelich. I don't think he had a terrible season last year, but I, I like how everything's lined up where he's going to be the leadoff guy. He's going to play a lot of games. And I think the shift you know, being banned is going to open up a lot for him. I just think it is. I mean, and the base is being bigger. I think his stolen base, I think 20 stolen bases is not far-fetched to ask. Um, I I think he's going to have a great year. I mean, just seeing some of his swings at the plate uh, this spring, I, that that's my prediction. All right, team MVP for 2023. Like, you want to say Yelich, I, uh, you want to say Burns, either of those guys. I mean, those are the leader on the offensive side, the leader on the pitching side. I'm going to zag here because I try to pick one that is not Tim's. I'm going to say Devin Williams. And I'm really stretching the use of valuable there because this is a team that under Craig Council, like when they've been good the last five years, the pen has been so critical to everything that they've done. And they've found some gems, but they've also had some dudes. Like it was Hader Williams Boxberger the last two years, super steady 789. Well, that is no more. And it's Devin Williams at the end, and then figure it out. I mean, Matt Bush has the stuff to be a really good setup guy, but he's trying to tame the home run ball as we exit camp here. So I think that just in the in terms of how valuable he is to the rest of the group and all of the other stuff happening and 
who's going to step up, who's not, the volatility of bullpens just in general in baseball. If Devin Williams has like another Devin Williams year, that would be so incredibly valuable. So I would put stress on the word value. He's my guy. Well, that makes sense just because the Brewers play so many close ball games. They've had like the most saves in the last however many years. They've also had the most blown saves because they've had that many opportunities when the game's that close. Um, I wrote down Telez. I just oh, wow. felt rowdy to walk out there every single day and just crush the baseball. Hearing him talk about just doing, you know, just making more contact is just going to be big for him. And there's going to be a lot of big hitters in the lineup. I don't think he feels maybe like he did last year where he has to, hey, I got to hit a home run or I got to hit a double or bust. I think he's going to go out there with the idea of I can just hit this ball where it is and I'm going to get it. I'm going to get on base. And I, I think. Uh, what he learned last year of you know being the guy every day player at first base he knows what to expect I think it's I think he's poised um, this is his year a lot of a lot of good candidates there I like those candidates um, last one for you where do you think the team will finish in the division this year well I mean look again I gotta stand by my uh, you know when we are sitting home in Milwaukee and probably Christmas writing this thing to go up on on New Year's Day. I, I said they would finish first. I know baseball perspectives, uh, they like the Brewers first in a close race with the Cardinals. I think, you know, m- the prognosticators are going to say Cardinals-Brewers as the top. The Cubs are better. So they're really they're actually a pretty interesting team, and the Brewers are going to see a lot of those new faces right off the top, including Cody Bellinger. Um, and I think the Cubs might be kind of interesting as well, but, but it's going to be probably Brewers-Cardinals at the end, and I'm just going to be super boring and stick with my prediction and say Brewers win the division. Yeah, I'm going to say the Brewers win the division. I, they just, I feel like they're, we always go back to depth. However the Brewers figure it out, they always have depth. And you can't say that about every club. You look at the Cubs right now, Kyle Hendricks is down. He's hurt. Suzuki, um, you know, what are you expecting from the Reds? You know, they got a lot of young talent. Can they put it together? Pittsburgh, I haven't watched many Pittsburgh games this spring. Um, so I don't really know. <laughs> they may be good. They got some talent as well. And the Cubs, I feel like it's a mod podge. Are they going to be good? Yeah, they're going to be good. But can it all come together and gel? So a, a what now? A hodge podge? Is that oh, yeah. right? I thought you said a right? mod podge. No, yeah. maybe I did. Did I say mod podge? I thought maybe this was like a Mississippi thing. A oh, I don't know. Did I say mod podge? Yeah. Can yeah. we edit? I mean, is no, that okay? That no, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So mod podge for MVP. Yeah. Oh, now my face is red. Um, (laughs) Well, I just mean like, you know, they they don't have a whole lot of homegrown guys, I guess, and they're going to get in all these other pieces. And um, anyway, I just the safe bet, I think, is uh, is is the Brewers. I just think they're again, the depth is there. I think the safe bet is the Cardinals. And I think (gasps) most most experts are going to pick the Cardinals. And I also predict we'll get criticized for being homers and taking the safe bet on Brewers Unfiltered. And I think probably, you know, I, I'm just going on also what we've heard from players. I, Brandon Woodruff has said this. I think they're going to try to, you know, look at some of those and see maybe the Cardinals are going to be the favorites in the division for most people and use that as fuel. I think we heard that from Brandon Woodruff kind of right off the top, you know, talking about how we're going to surprise some people this year even. I don't, that might be a little far because their, their pitching is very good. And they've had a lot of regular season success for like five years running now. So it's not like they're going to surprise anybody in the division if they're in it in the end. 
But I do think that they are going to try to take a little bit of an underdog mentality after the way last year ended and just try to bounce back and do something. And I wrote this in my season preview. Like, it is just a fact that there are players at a stage of their careers where free agency is, like, visible on the horizon. And this group has been together for a long time. Uh, the Yelich, the Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Devin Williams then in 2020. Th- these guys have won a lot of games together. And I think they're cognizant of the fact, like, there is a window to get to the World Series. And they really want to do it with this group because it's not common for us, particularly this rotation to be together as long as this group has. And they want to get to the World Series and win a title. And I think that there's urgency to be in a really good spot at the 2023 trade deadline and make it really, you know, make it really fun in Milwaukee in the second half. Yeah, and I think the biggest difference between 2021 and 2022 was the health of the starting rotation. Absolutely. And we've heard that from Craig over and over and over again is like, yeah, we are going to absolutely ride those guys this season, maybe more than what we have in the past couple seasons, kind of alluding to that. And also just that's the strength of the team. So this team is going to go as far as that group will take them. So when we come back, uh, we've got enough predictions, but we do have some rapid fire questions to get through and a stat of the day. So we've got more coming up. We're ready to wrap up here on Brewers Unfiltered with Sophia, Adam, and Tim. Guys, we've got just a couple rapid-fire questions to wrap it up. And just as we're all getting ready to leave Arizona, we've been here a while, our first quote-unquote normal spring training in the last couple of years. So do you guys have a highlight of spring so far? The day Tim arrived. (laughs) Yeah, I just got here. Y'all are ready to leave. I am enjoying the weather. Um, My favorite part of just of camp and watching the Brewers in spring training is Mike Brasso. He's been my favorite. I just watching what he can do, and I think we saw glimpses of it last year. Uh, but the fact that he got to play a bunch this spring and just drop bombs and you know run the bases and play his you know play defense, maybe that played into why it took so long to get Luke Voigt. You know why why that. You know, they didn't let him know right away because Brasso was making such a case for right-handed DH. So, I don't know. I just really enjoyed his emergence. I really like him. I think he's a great ball player. Um, I don't. I think it's unfair at times. We label him as just a utility guy because I think right now we're showing that he can do he, – he can swing the bat. Well, I had a really good hike this year to the Wave Cave, which was a new uh, hike for me in the East Valley and the Superstitions. That's what we're really supposed cool. to be doing? It's a, I thought we were talking about – Baseball, you're hey, there's no rule. This oh, is a podcast, okay. and you can do right, whatever you yeah, want. Was gave the- um, it was really cool. I highly recommend it if people want to do that next spring. The Wave Cave, very cool. And on baseball, I did this really silly story early with Abraham Toro, who Sophia watched me drag him and his teammates around the clubhouse for like three days, where they had to guess uh, French baseball terms as a way to introduce the trilingual Abraham Toro. And he was very, very kind, and the teammates were very kind. And I think of the things I wrote this spring, I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed writing that bit of silliness. I would say that my spring training highlight was every meal at Chop Shop. Oh, yes. <laughs> I feel like I have to bring that full circle since that's what we were talking about when we started the podcast. And then baseball-wise, I would just say the World Baseball Classic and how fun it was yep. to – watch 
the players go and play in these incredible games and incredible atmospheres, represent their countries, hear what it meant to them, hear their stories when they came back. I think they all had a great experience. So I think the WBC this year was just really fun and cool matchups and good stories. And I think for the players, they all feel like they came back and it helps them prepare in a very different way than than spring training spring, spring training normally would. Yeah, so. if Rowdy wins the MVP, he can point to that. Exactly. I, think, I think it's a thing. For position players playing in the WBC, I think it's a thing. I think guys hit the ground running when usually maybe it takes a couple weeks or a month to get their swings and at-bats and you know kind of feel comfortable. And I think the Brewers had enough guys that are going to be in that lineup going, you know, they already feel comfortable to hit the ground running opening day. Okay, our next one. Just we we did some predictions, but what are you guys most excited about with opening day or just the season in general? What are you most excited about with this team? I mean, I'm just excited to work again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't do anything in the off season. I just sit around, parent, and wait for baseball. Parent, <laughs> yeah, I gotta go raise your kids. Parent. Yeah, Ugh. children, clean your room. Yeah, I, I'm just excited to watch baseball. I love baseball, always have, and the fact that I get to actually show up and watch. Uh, this team and grow with this team and, and just see it is in the people I work with. This is what I, I love doing this. Uh, so for me, it's very selfish. I'm just excited baseball is back because I get to I get to watch it and be a small part of it. Uh, mine is also selfish. Seattle Press Box has the best ice cream cooler in baseball. <laughs> And it's been a while since we were there. Are I'm you on going, the trip, Tim? I'm going to tell Frank in Philly that you said that. Oh, okay. I am Frank going in Philly to tell is a different Frank animal. that you said that. That's that's a very good point. Frank in Philly is this guy who's worked in back in the dining room in Philly, and he has, what, eight different tubs of ice cream, and he takes it incredibly seriously, and he loves uke. Anyway. Besides Frank and Philly, Seattle has a great ice cream cooler, and I hope it's still there. It's been a while since we went there. But that sort of leads into my thing. I think the the new schedule is going to be really cool, um, not just because we selfishly get to go to places that we don't always get to go, but I think for the fans, like, it's really cool that you get to see Shohei Otani every year and Mike Trout. That, those are the two that, that I think of as behind this. So we'll see how that plays out. Like, I don't know, competitive people are trying to figure out if it – has a competitive element to it. I don't know about that. I just think it's cool that we get to see teams, players, and cities that we don't typically get to see every year. And you play the Cubs 13 times rather than 19 times a year? Well, I do like, like that one because as, as a non-charter flyer, I do appreciate the drive down to Wrigley. So I'm probably the only one in the group that's a little bummed out that Wrigley might be a little one trip fewer than usual because that's an easy one. But your point is... I was going to say the the new schedule as well the, uh, of just going to different cities and getting to see so many different players. You know that you're going to see every team at home every other year. Like that's a big deal, I think, as a fan to know that you're going to see all of these different players come through. Um, and for me, I think I for every season, I just love the people and I just love that when you start, you don't know the things that you don't know yet, right? You don't know the people that are going to come up and impact the team. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to leave, who's going to be added. And, you know, the group that you start with um, on March 30th is going to be very different than the group that you finish with in October. And I, for me, that's the most fun, I think, is just watching all those stories play out. So um, last one, stat of the week. Tim, you mocked my stat of the week last week because it was like nine days till opening day. Oh, so yeah. I picked an even simpler one this week. 
It's not even a stat. It's just a number. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. 22. This is a team sport. Uh, it's unfair to put everything on one guy. This is a team built on pitching, and the starting rotation is the strength of the Brewers and the most important thing. But number 22 is a superstar in this league when he's great. And if Christian Yelich gets back to something close to 18, 19 Christian Yelich, all of this other stuff we're talking about, all of these last uh, decisions at the end of the roster, all of the stuff we're talking about, about the sixth and seventh inning bullpen guys get pushed way down the list of what's going to determine the success or failure of this team. A guy like Christian Yelich is a huge difference maker if he's right. And he is the guy you circle on the roster is like, if he has a great year, this team has a chance to be very good. Yeah. And I will say that my youngest, my seven-year-old, he will say, hey, dad, who's number 22? And I'll say, Christian Yelich. And he'll go, that's right. <laughs> I don't know what that means. He knows what that means. That's some deep stuff. I That's like it. That. Yeah, it's deep. Yeah. Uh, so my stat of the week, I'm going to steal from Senior Director of Media Relations, Mike Vassallo. He tweeted today, or whatever day it was, uh, if Bryce Terrain starts opening day, is that yours? Did I steal yes. yours? Oh, never mind. Go ahead. No, this oh, is good right. in the interest of time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you well, can talk together. It's too good to, to pass up. If, if Bryce Turing starts opening day, it would be the seventh player in franchise history to make his major league debut on opening day and the first since J.J. Hardy in 2005. To me, that's incredible. Yeah. Robin Yelts, 74. Gorman Thomas, 73. Paul Molitor, 78. So... I love that stuff. I love the fact that they're taking this guy and going, we trust you. We want you out there. We're behind you. Go for it. Because look at the track record of some of these players. So I, I don't know. I just, to me, that's a that's really cool. I don't know where the stat is ac- actually in there. but Well, seven. Yeah, seven. 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 Sophia, if, you, if he took your stat, just name a guy's uniform number. No, I've got another one. Oh, okay. oh I've got a backup. Wow. I've got a backup stat. Since since Tim was a stat stealer, <laughs> since Tim was a stat stealer, but I also thought that was very cool of just like how rare that is that a player makes his major league debut on opening day. And I mean, I can't imagine the adrenaline he's going to have at Wrigley Field. But anyway, mine is regarding Owen Miller, um, and now becomes the eleventh Wisconsin-born player to play for the Brewers. Um, so I think that's cool. I think, you know, Wisconsin fans love Wisconsin kids. And I think all of Fredonia <laughs> and all of the Mequon area will be very excited. And um, I've talked to Owen about it. I think he's probably going to get crushed with ticket requests. Yeah. But um, maybe if you're a fan, don't ask Owen for tickets to the game unless you personally know him. But I think it'll be it's just a cool story. So The fun thing about that stat is J.P. Fireisen was on that list or so we thought for a long time. But then it was discovered that he was born technically at a hospital across the border in Minnesota. So if we're being super technical about it, which we know our friend Mike Vassallo is, if he's anything, it's technical. So I'm looking came, at the list right now. And J.P. Fireisen has been removed, removed. even though he is, a, you know, a River Falls native. But he is yes. a Wisconsin guy. But like Craig Council. Right. Who was born in South Bend, Indiana. He just wasn't technically born there. So right. that's a little fun side. Well, you think about all the players that have played. I mean, how many new players each year over decades? I mean, this is a very rare thing. That's yeah. what makes it so cool is when you start seeing these rare moments that you can go across all of baseball. And it's, it's, I don't know, to play for your home state thing. You grow up watching it. Oh, I grew up in Florida and I didn't. 
I didn't have a team until the Marlins came along. <laughs> I don't know if I even wanted to be a Marlin. <laughs> I yeah, love the uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all we got for episode three, Brewers Unfiltered. We had a lot to get through. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it, but see you guys opening day at Wrigley Field. It's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, and shout out to Ezra Siegel, our wizard behind the curtain who always puts these together because he was like, if we think we were busy in spring training, Ezra and the team putting that documentary series, the freshmen together, they were about 5 million times busier than anybody else. So they did good work. Tip of the cap to the Brewers production team. Tip of the cap. All right. Thanks guys. We'll see you next time on Brewers Unfiltered. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.